this is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. And when you woke up this morning and realized it was 115 degrees in Texas, you said, praise God, I live in a land of the free where we can still come to church and worship God. Somebody say amen this morning. It is a beautiful day. Yes, it's hot, but you know what? We're alive, we're well, we're still in the United States of America, and we need to praise God. Amen. Well, it's good to see each and every one of you this morning. And so we're asking, Lord, that you would reach out and touch us this morning and fill us with your goodness. Well, it is nice to see each and every one of you in your smiling faces. I pray that uh, you would take the time to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you if you're visiting with us. Place in the offering place comes out so we can have a record of your visit. We greatly appreciate that. To join us online this morning, we also ask you to consider being right here in the sanctuary with us, experience what God is doing about Saturday Baptist Church. Now, I do have a few announcements I want to share with you. And number one, those announcements are today at 4:30. We'll have choir practice, so some of you are part of that. As you can see, we need a little bit more back in our chairs. Fill those chairs up and help us get in. I think we're actually starting to to look at our Christmas cantata, so if that entices you, be there today at 4.30 as we look at those Christmas cantatas. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we'll have our evening worship, and you're invited to be there and be a part of that as well. Don't forget, uh, coming up Monday night, Experiencing God, week 10, so we're almost done there, but what a great study that's been. And uh, Tuesday night, the ladies are still not meeting in the Bible study. They're getting ready to pick that back up, but they are getting ready to have their... Um, little retreat there, so I want to ask here in just a minute if one of the ladies will share with us a little bit about that. And then uh, Wednesday night Bible study at 6.30 here in the sanctuary, and Thursday night men's Bible study in room 103 uh, at 6.30. So we have a lady who might share with us a little bit about that. Ladies, I really appreciate that. And so, with that being said, we're going to have an Operation Christmas Child Craft Day for what, July 28th from 9 to 4. Six, what's that? Come on up to here. Ticket opening when 
they do is they cut them up into t-shirt yarn like this, and then they, they cut up many, many shirts to make lots of these. And then once they have these, they get braided in Velcro that look like this. And the more colorful the shirts are, the better, but it doesn't, we will take any of the t-shirts that you have. Um, we have the collection box out for OCC now. If you want to bring them and leave them here, they will get gathered from there. Or if you want to bring them to the craft day this Saturday. Also, if you are coming to the craft day, we normally hold it in the fellowship hall. But because of renovations, we're not able to do that. And we will be in the children's area. So keep that in mind if you are coming this Saturday from 9 to 4. Thank you. Amen. We are still collecting our back-to-school supply drive in the uh, foyer. You'll find a box there if you want to donate for that. All you got to do is put it in that box right there. Like we've been asked to remind you that we are short three of our operation, excuse me, our baby bottle boomerang offering to Hope Pregnancy. If you have one of those bottles out, please return that as soon as possible so we can bring that to a close.
please start making your way back to your seats, and we'll continue on with worship.
beautiful job. Beautiful job. Well, I guess it's time for me to make a confession to y'all. Forty-eight years now, I've been addicted to soap. But now, I'm clean. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. I love to laugh, and I love a good joke. So, some of y'all are like, uh-oh, what is he going to say? <laughs> oh, my goodness. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, chapter 50. Genesis. This morning's message is the box of bones. The box of bones. Let's begin in verse 22. The Bible says, So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household. Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation, the children of Machir, son of Manasseh, who also brought up on Joseph's knee. Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land, to the land which is for the Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and he embalmed him, and he put the coffin in Egypt. Shall we go to the Lord's prayer? Father God, we come to you now. Your word is quick and it's powerful. It is sharper than any two inches. right now, Lord, your word cut down into our hearts, cut down into our lives. Teach us, teach us, edify us, equip us, encourage us, educate us. I pray, Lord God, if there's any of us in the room, we come to the Lord and pray to you today, Lord, that your word will bring forth and bring forth truth. I pray, Lord God, if there's any of you need to come back to the right relationship with you today, Lord God. And I pray, Father God, if there's any of you Hear your word this morning. We are in you, but not in your house. Just pray to you today, Lord. Feel the need of that for you. We bless you, we praise you, we give you all the glory and honor you now. In Jesus' name. Joseph said, When you leave, you'll carry my bones with you. Now, in my mind, and that is a dangerous statement. In my mind, I see the Hebrews putting them in a box. The reason why I do that is because it is Jewish tradition for them to, when they bury their dead, to uh, put them in a tomb like they would have Jesus. They would stay there about a year. After about a year, someone whose job it was to go in the graveyard, such as the garden teacher that we want to see in the New Testament, would go inside that tomb and he would take them that now decayed body, which is mostly bones, and he would fold it up into the box. That box is called an ossuary box. After an herb, after that time, another year, two, maybe three years, then the box would be emptied, and they would be put into a jar. And the jar would then be placed on a shelf in another tomb. That was a Jewish burial. And so 
for those of you that are theologians, now you understand why man comes up to Jesus and I'll follow you, but let me bury my father first. about a fox, a bone. Perhaps it was where those Jews were coming out of Egypt and perhaps in your mind the box might look like this. That's an old wooden crate, probably not. Note the handle on the side. If you ever carried one of those, you know they're usually extremely heavy. If you have not carried one, you have not spent any time in the U.S. Army. So perhaps your box might look like this. That is Oxbury. So that's what it would look like. Either way, it would have been heavy. Box of bones, though. That's what it is. A box of bones. Now, I gave you the backstory. Genesis chapter 50, where Joseph actually tells his brethren and he tells his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren, when you leave, God is coming. What are you saying? And when you leave, you're going to take my bones with you. Make sure you do that now because those bones are something special. Those bones are going to mean something. Those bones are going to prove something. That's what we're talking about. We're switching gears now from Genesis 50. I'd love for you to look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. But the New Testament then points out that fact. It is for something faithful something marvelous that Joseph was doing here. It wasn't just a victory dance. Hey, we're coming out of Egypt. We're going to be free from slavery. We're going to be free from the bondage of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. No, 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 no. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews this is something amazing. Look at me in verse 22 of chapter 11. The Bible says, By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. When you leave, you're going to take my bones with you. The Hebrews actually did carry Joseph's bones. They surely did. But, you know, in my way of thinking, I'm like, who did they find to do that job? I would not have been volunteered for that one. I promise you that. Some of you are like, I would have done it. Well, bully for you. <laughs> I would have done it if I could help it. The Hebrews actually did carry Joseph's bones. And the Bible tells us about that. Take a look at the next 18 and 19 here, we have to get a picture of Joseph's bones in Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. We're in verse 18 here, Exodus 13. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Mitzrayim, Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. So he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely give you peace, and you can carry up my bones from here with me. And that's not the end of the story. Because Joseph's bones get placed in the promised land. Look at the end, Joshua 24 32. And we'll find out the conclusion of the matter, the end of the narrative, if you will, of Joseph's bones. Verse 32 of Joshua 24. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried it. 
Father Graham was shaking his head thoughts from the son of Moore, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver, which had become an inheritance for the children of this death. So, what's that have to do with us? What's that got to do with any one of us? I don't know about you, but the last place I want to hang out is in the graveyard. Somebody say amen. I mean, yeah, there's a place and a time for that, but generally speaking, I don't want to spend my time in my day there. That box of bones, though, meant something. So, Pastor, in my mind, it was the dog. Really, it's not important. What's important important is the bones. That box of bones meant something. Those bones meant something to the Hebrews, and it surely means something to us. It means something to us. In fact, I believe that the modern church needs to relearn this lesson. It's a lesson that we've forgotten, we put on the wayside, we put on the back burner, and we've left it there. Now, when I say that, let me just be honest with you, as a, as a preacher, as a modern-day preacher now, a lot of times we think we can address the issue in one sermon and never have to come back to it because that's the fault of people. I'm guilty of that myself. I preached on it 17 years ago. That should end it. <laughs> I talked about it. Everybody's got it. <laughs> you know, that's the fault of people. But I believe that the modern-day church needs to relearn this lesson. Relearn it. It's a lesson that we've forgotten. It's a lesson that we've laid aside. It's a lesson that we have no longer put See, those bones represented something. They represented something. Those are the top five that God delivered to Israel out of Egypt. Joseph prophesied that. And that means something special. And that brings us to our very first point. Very first point this morning. Remember now, we're talking about a box of bones. And the Jews, the Hebrews, brought that box of bones out of Egypt. They brought it across the river Jordan and they buried it in Shechem. Thus, Joseph said they did. He said, When you leave, because God's going to visit you, you make sure you carry my bones out with you. That brings us to our first point this morning. Remember now, Joseph was prophesying. And incidentally, when you prophesy, you're not speaking for God. God is speaking through you. A lot of people forget that. And that's one of the lessons we need to learn. And we need to do here on the wayside, if you will, chase a rabbit tail with me. A lot of us think prophesying is just preaching. Wrong. When we claim we're prophets, we claim God is speaking through us. And that's why it's so important that we don't pick up the mantle of I'm a prophet going around saying God is speaking through you. Because I want you to know something right now. God is speaking to His church, but through the Bible. He's been speaking to His people through the Spirit. He's been speaking to His people through church members. He's been speaking to you. Let me tell you something, though. Be careful of those YouTube prophets. They're going to get you in trouble. Be careful of those Twitter messengers. Ask our president about getting in trouble with Twitter. Well, I guess I need an amen in the Baptist church. Think about that for a second. And think about how that goes. Be careful when you claim you're a prophet and you're speaking on God's behalf. That Bible is full of warnings. There is something we can learn from that box of bones. 
there's something we need to put to work in our lives, there's something we need to bring back to the forefront in the house of God today. And that's his our number one lesson. Joseph prophesied. In other words, God spoke to Joseph. I will visit you. I will deliver you. And Joseph said, when God does, you carry me up out of Egypt. So that picture, that almighty powerful picture of that box of bones leaving Egypt meant something to the Jews. Do you know what it means? We need to remember it today. It means that we can trust God's Word. Somebody say amen. That's our first point this morning. We can trust the Bible. We can trust God's Word. And we can rely on it no matter what the world says. Are you hearing me this morning? Sometimes we get discouraged when God doesn't work in our time frame. We think God should do it on our clock, in our way, and how we think it should be done. But deep down inside, it took 430 years for God to deliver Israel out of Egypt. That's a long, long, long time. Now think about that for a second. That wasn't on my time frame. When I say God's going to do something, I want Him to do it my way, my time, on my clock. And incidentally, I'm timing God too, usually. When's it going to happen? But we need to know something. We need to learn something for this box of bones picture here. We need to learn that the Bible tells us in Isaiah 40, verse 8, we need to learn that the grass withers, the flower fades. But listen to me now. The Word of our Lord endures forever. Somebody say amen. We can learn that the Word of the Lord is going to happen no matter what is going on in this world. No matter how long it takes, God's Word is going to not come back void. It's going to happen there. That's a picture of the box of bones. To all those Hebrews that were coming out of slavery, God teaches. His Word. And you know something, church? We need to learn that today. God keeps His Word. We've been trying to make up reasons why Jesus hasn't come back yet. We've been trying to make up reasons why we don't see some of the signs, some of the healings in the church today. When really all we need to do is declare God keeps His Word no matter what. In fact, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. We need to get back to that. Psalm 138 verse 2 tells us, this is what the psalmist says. He says, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you've magnified your word above all your name. So the word of the Lord is important to God. God says, what I say, I will do. It's important to God to keep his word. And you can trust, just like the Jews had to learn, that when God says it, God's going to do it. It was 430 years, but God was going to do it. So we can have assurance in this, no matter how long it takes. No matter what the circumstances are, if God said it, God is going to do it. And here's some things then that we can start putting our assurance in. We can stop being reassured in. Are you ready for this? Number one, get ready now because we're going to take this trip here with me. Here's some things that we can be assured in. God is not taken by surprise. Whatever's happened in this world, God already knows about. Here's the point I'm getting at. That no matter how long it takes, Jesus Christ is coming back. So we might be sitting there thinking, well, he's taking too long, Pastor. He's not coming back anytime soon. I want you to know that it was 400 plus years before he took Israel out of Egypt. But when he did, they took those bones out as a picture that God keeps his word. And I want you to know that one of these days, Jesus Christ is coming back and he's going to take the church out of this world. And the whole world's going to say, God keeps his word. That's the picture there. Are you hearing me this morning? The first point we need to put to work and the first thing we need to bring back on the forefront in the modern day church is that God's Word 
is not void. It does not come back broken. It's not incomplete. And here's something else for you. God's going to make sure it comes back. He's going to make sure that. Joseph was prophesying. That means God was speaking through Joseph. And what God says, God is going to do. God's Word will not come back void. God's Word is something you can stand on, something you can take assurance in, something you can build your house on. Jesus talked about it like this. He said, those of you that, that take my Word and do it are like someone who built a house on a rock. And the winds come and the waves crash against it. The lightning strikes, but the house will still stand. If you will trust in God's Word, then no matter what this world throws at you, you're still going to be that box of bones means that whatever God has said, God is going to do. That means to those Hebrews that were coming out that you can trust God to keep His word. Can I ask you a question this morning? Perhaps you made a commitment to God years ago. Perhaps online you have been in churches before. And lots of churches do. You know what? There's no such thing as a perfect church. You want to know what's good about God's people? We're not perfect. We're forgiven. Somebody say amen. That's right. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. And let me tell you something. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not a Christian. You need to get to know Him and the power of His resurrection and then watch His Word become true in your life. Now, that box of bones meant something to those Hebrews. It meant that they could trust God. See, they grew up now in slavery. They grew up hearing that God had done miraculous things, but they haven't seen God do anything in 400 years. Now, are you hearing me for just a second? They were in slavery. They were in bondage. They were getting hit by the taskmaster's whip. They were building uh, whatever they were. Even We don't know everything they built there. They may have built the pyramids. They may have built the streets. We don't know what all they built. All we do know is that they labored in Egypt, and they labored, and I believe the toil was gruesome. I believe that their work was literally gruesome. When God showed up and delivered them, that box of bones came out. And they remembered the prophecy of Moses. And they remembered that whatever God says, God is going to do. And I have a message for you this morning. You might be sitting there thinking in your heart, thinking in your life, God has forgotten me. God hasn't forgotten you. You might be sitting there saying, Pastor, God has overlooked me. God hasn't overlooked you. I want to tell you something. If He has put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, then you've become a part of that Word that will not be broken. If you're written there, it's going to be there just as sure as He took the bones out of Egypt. He'll take you out of this world if you are a Christian. That about the bones means whatever God has said, God is going to do. It means something to those Hebrews. It means God keeps His promises. How many of you know it's impossible for God to lie? The book of Jesus tells us that. It's impossible for Him to lie. That means when God says it, it's as good as done. Though it doesn't happen on our time frame. We want it to be on our time frame, but it very seldom happens that way. Incidentally, in case we forget sometimes, we need to be reminded that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We think we're high and mighty. We think we're godly sometimes. But God reminds us, you don't think anything like me. Somebody say amen. Aren't you glad that we don't have the job of God? Aren't you glad that the, the final judgment's not in our hands? It's in God's hands. If it was in our hands, could you imagine what a fiasco we'd make of it? Could you imagine what a mess we'd make of it? 
Could you, you, you think the good old boy system's alive and well today? Imagine if we had the job of judging the world at the end time. The good old boys would make it in. The good old girls would make it in. The best friends, the best looking, the best dressed would be the ones making it in. Not the ones who trusted in Jesus Christ. And I want you to know about those Hebrews. They had to trust in God because God was the only hope they had. It took the power of God to take them out of the hands of Pharaoh. And when that box of bones picked up and started moving out of Egypt, they were reminded that God keeps His Word. And church, we need to be reminded that God keeps His Word. No matter how long it takes, He's going to make it come to pass. No matter how long it takes, you can trust God's Word. The Bible tells us that a thousand years is but a day unto the Lord. You ever heard that old saying before? Where that deep, devout Christian said, Lord, make me a millionaire. And God said, well, I'll make you a millionaire one day. He said, what about one day? And God said, well, a thousand years is but a day. He said, well, how about tomorrow then? And God said, how about the thousand years? Think about that. Think about how that works in our lives. God, I want it done on my time. God, I want it done in my way. God, I want it done how I think it should be done. Are you one of those that prays every day? Are you praying for somebody? Are you praying for someone in your family and you're not giving up? Oh, let me encourage you. Don't give up. Let me encourage you that God keeps His Word. Let me encourage you that we can trust God's Word. Let me encourage you that those that know Him can't go anywhere else. They will find their way back if they know Him. Make sure you don't stop praying. Make sure that you know God is trusted. how long it takes, you can trust Him. You know what else that box of bones means? You know what else it means? Not only does it mean we can trust God's word, but you know what else it means? Not only does it mean that God's word is unbroken, even though it took 430 years, right? A lot of people would think, well, it didn't happen in my time, so it must not going to happen. Well, let me tell you something. We are not as important as we think we are. We need to be reminded sometimes that we're not the ones making the decisions up in heaven. We're just peons. True. It's true. We're not as important as we think we are. God is the one that's important. Incidentally, the story of the Bible is not really about us. It's about God and what He did to redeem us. You know what else that box of bones means? Not only means you can trust God's Word. Yeah, it's going to take a minute. Yeah, God is working. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's timing is not our timing, even though it might seem like it would be best. It was at our time. Let me tell you, God's timing is always right. Always perfect. Always the right time. You know what else that box of bones means? Not only does it mean that God's word has been broken, it also means, point number two, your faith can come out of the grave well. Are you dead in your faith? Have you been feeling a little dead? Lately? Listen to me if you're online. Have you been feeling a little bit dead in your faith? You've been feeling like you're just a box of bones, you're in an ossuary box, and folks are carrying you somewhere? Well, let me tell you a little bit about our God. I want to tell you something about the power of God Almighty. God has a way of making the dead alive. God's got a way of putting life back into something 
dead. Let me tell you, there's a picture about those bones leaving out of Egypt. You know what the picture is? The picture is that isn't my final resting place. And you can be assured. Now listen to me now, church. Listen to me online. That if you are in a relationship with God Almighty, this world is not where we're going to end up. This world is not our home. One of these days, He's going to take us to the promised land. Somebody should get excited this morning. One of these days, He's going to pick us up and move us by the hands of His Holy Ones and take us to be with Him forever. Come out of the graveyard too. Do you feel like you're dead in your belief? Have you feel a little dead lately in your relationship? Let me tell you about our God. Ephesians 2 verse 1 tells us, And you He made alive who were dead and trespasses and sins. Do you feel a little bit dead in your relationship? Then it's time to get alive in Jesus Christ. How do you do that though? Can I be honest with you? There's nothing you can do. All it is is God, I'm willing to be carried somewhere. God will take you where you need to be. The problem is, is we're trying to take God where we want Him to be. And we end up being dead. God, you're not doing what I want you to do. You remember that in high school? Remember that in junior high? You remember that in grade school? Where you say, if you ain't playing it my way, I'm going to take my ball and go home. We do the same thing with God. God, you're not doing it my way, so I'm going to quit coming to your church. And then have the audacity to say, the church isn't facing me. You know? Are you hearing me? We have people in America today that says, the church isn't chasing me. They must not care. I want you to know the church cares about you. I want you to know God cares about you. I want you to know your problem, though, isn't the people in the church. Your problem is your relationship with God. Because if you were coming to church for people, you were here for the wrong reason anyway. You need to get here to be with God. Do you feel a little bit dead in your faith? Then you need to get Ephesians 2, 1 back into your heart, back into your life. And He, He made alive, excuse me, and you, He made alive, who are dead in trespasses and sin. In fact, look with me in Matthew 22, verse 32. As Jesus addresses the Pharisees and the Sadducees, He says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Do you feel dead in your faith? Then you're not in a right relationship with God. Because if you're in a right relationship with God, you'll find yourself being alive in the Holy Spirit. It's time to get back alive with God. It's time to get back alive in your relationship. It's time to take a look at that box of bones and realize it means God keeps His Word. It's time to look at that box of bones and realize God can put life back into your dead he sure can. He sure will. And you want to go and say, My faith is dead. I need a resurrection. Yes, you do. I need to become alive. Yes, you do. What do you need to do? You need to take a look at Jesus. You need to take a look at Him who conquered death. Him who conquered the grave. Him who is willing to carry us up out of the land of our bondage and place us in the land of promise. You know what else that box of bones means? It means that you can come out of the place of dead faith. You can come alive again in Jesus. Now, I spent a lot of time this morning talking a little bit about boxes of bones. I don't know about you, but I like the way the Jews go together as boxes of bones. You know, some of my people that like that kind of stuff. But boxes of bones. I almost put bag of bones just because it was funny to me. <laughs> just bag of bones. You know what a bag of bones is? 
That's usually a horse that wasn't winning any races. That's a bag of bones right there. Well, do you remember where they buried Joseph? You read it. Joshua. They buried him in the Correct? Now, don't get caught up with the castle stuff anymore. Except it does have some sinister past. And I love sinister history. You know, if you come to my office, you're going to see some sinister history in there. i got things hanging on the wall that are sinister. Remind us that this world is not as open as we think it is. You know? Just to get off on the rabbit trail again, if you're one of those that gets online and you think you're talking to somebody online, you probably are not talking to who you think you are. If you're one of those that says, I'm meeting my future husband, let me tell you right now, there's a sucker born every minute. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. Pastor, I'm looking for my future husband online. Well, you better keep shopping. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, this world is not honest. Anymore. God for you. You can suffer. You can suffer. Remember what happened in Shechem? Lots of things happened in Shechem that weren't so good, weren't so wholesome. But don't get caught up in the past of Shechem. Remember what happened in Shechem? Well, if you are a student of Genesis, and I know that you are, you'll know that, that Israel's first arrival at Shechem resulted in Benach. That's Jacob's daughter, the one and daughter. We talked about the 12 sons, but we don't talk about that little girl anymore, do we? Dinah goes out of Dinah. Let's say Dinah. Dinah goes out and she starts hanging out with the people at Shechem. Can I tell you something? When you start acting like the people of the world, start wanting to be like the people of the world, then bad things are going to happen to you. We're not supposed to look and act like them and talk like them. We're not supposed to be out there fellowshipping with them. We're supposed to be drawing them into the house of God. We're supposed to be bringing them into where God's people are. Not going out there saying, let me be like you. We're supposed to say, come in here and be like God. Dinah goes out there and something bad happens to him. The prince of the city, you know, the whole city is named after him. The prince's name is Shechem. And he takes her and he rapes her violently. That's the truth now. This is in your Bible. Jacob doesn't know what to do because his boys are outside working. How many of you know that when you get to be old sometimes, you start to realize you're not quite the man you used to be? My father-in-law came over last night. Praise God, he came over because uh, my sons were there. We celebrated my eldest son's 24th birthday. We celebrated the surprise visit of my second son and his wonderful wife. Thank you, Jesus, that they're here. They came over for that. Yes, blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, yes. And they came over for that. And he said, Joshua, he called me down. He said, Joshua, are you going to help me carry that? I said, absolutely not. He said, why not? I said, because i got four sons. He just looked at me, and I was like, you had two daughters, buddy. I had four sons. I used kid power whenever possible. Amen. My neighbor once asked me, he said, how come you don't mow the grass anymore? I said, because I got four sons. You know? Just to go off again on a rabbit trail for just a second, let me tell you something about being a father. I love being a father. There's nothing greater than being a father. I would trade any minute of it. It's been the most joy I have ever had. I love being a father because the game in my house never stops. The Rathlamads. That's right. I'm 48 years old and I can be caught in a Rathlamad. If you watch this, the birthday party, my eldest son bit me to blow out the birthday candle. He cheated, y'all. When, when you see Joshua, say, don't be cheating. <laughs> however, however, there is something that goes with being a father. See, God puts the responsibility of the family on the father. Now, 
I'm not here to preach on families too much today, but I, I feel like we need to do this. If we're looking at the importance of God's Word, we're looking at how God's Word's got to come forward, how it's got to be brought out that we can trust it, then we need to start doing what God's Word says. Amen? One of the things we're not doing in the United States of America is putting the responsibility of the family on the husband. We're putting the responsibility of the family on mamas nowadays. We're putting them on football coaches. We're putting them on, on Boy Scout leaders. We're putting them on the YMCA leaders. And you know what? We're not putting them on dads anymore. And the reason why is because we have told people that dads aren't important. Dads are important. Dads are essential. Not only are they essential, they're the ones responsible for family. You are, dad. You're responsible for how your family goes. You're responsible for teaching your children, for raising them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. That's also from the book of Ephesians. You are, Dad. Not Mom, not the football coach, not the pastor of the church. You are, Dad. And I believe God's going to hold us responsible for that. Here's where I'm going with it, though. So my eldest son one day asked me a question about that. He said, Dad, my job is to take the trash out. Has that fit into the grand scheme of God's plan? I said, sure, I'd be happy to answer that question for you. He said, okay. I said, so God tells me what to do. I tell you what to do. You take the trash out. It works just like that. God told me to raise you in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And that means I teach you what God says. I teach you how to love your family. I teach you to obey and honor your father and your mother, to cherish your brothers. And if you had any sisters, to cherish your sisters. And it teaches you that family is important. Now get up off your teacher and take the trash out. And while you're at it, put a bag back in the can. It's a good thing. Do you remember, though, where they buried Joseph? They buried him in Shechem. It was a family tragedy. Dinah went out and Dinah started playing with the world. And anytime you play with the world, you are putting yourself at risk, Christian. Anytime you get out there and flirt with them and say, I want to act like them, I want to talk like them, I want to look like them, I want to dress up like them, then you are putting yourself in risk way. You need to be acting, talking, looking like God. No, church, the world's supposed to want to be like us, not the other way around. Right now, we're trying to change our worship to look like the world when the world is supposed to be changing what they're doing to look like us. We think, how can we draw more people in? The Bible tells us how to draw more people in. The Bible tells us in John chapter 3, if we will raise up the sun, the whole world will come after him. So if we will just start lifting him up, just start worshiping him, just truly and honestly let our hearts out and worship him, then the whole world will kick in the door to see what's going on in Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. And all we're doing is worshiping God Almighty. Jacob's sons were out in the field. Jacob didn't know what to do because he's old now. They hold his tongue. Of course, the boys come back in and they find out what happened to Dinah. And like any brother, they are rather upset. I don't know about you, but that would pretty much make me mad. And you know, Jacob tried to cut a deal. The deal is not really a, a good one for Israel. The deal is, hey, Go ahead and let Dinah marry her rapist. Pardon me? Pardon me? Where is your brain, Jacob? You'll be happy with the guy who raped you. 
Hello? Here's the deal, though. He says, yeah, she can marry him, and incidentally, then your daughters will be open to us. Our daughters will be open to you. We'll enjoy the best of the land, and we'll begin intermingling. You understand the picture there? We'll interbreed inside with the Shechemites, and eventually Israel will disappear into all the Shechem. Do you see what happens when the church compromises with the world? We will breed ourselves out when really we're supposed to be making new Christians everywhere we go. The Bible tells us, though, that Simeon and Levi, on the third day after their circumcision, that was part of it. You know, you guys get circumcised. In other words, start acting Christian. You know, you look a little Christian. Don't really be Christian, but look a little Christian. So the people can look and say, well, you must be a Christian. Isn't that a fad nowadays? People take a look at church members and say, you must be a Christian. Being a church member doesn't make you a Christian. Being in a pew doesn't make you a Christian. Having a mom and dad as a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Having a relationship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ makes you a Christian. Now, Timmy and Levi get angry then. And they wait for that circumcision to happen. And they wait to their sword. They're recovering. They can barely move. And they go in there with a couple of swords. And well, they clean house. They do. Some of us might say, rightly so. I'm going to let you be the judge tonight. However, Jacob gets angry. He does. He gets angry about it. And he tells his boys, you made me to stink in the land. I'll never have peace wherever I go. When they ask me, nobody else messes with Dinah ever again. Somebody say amen. Know what that is? You know how safe it is when we live in a past like that? We're going to dwell on all the bad things that happened to Shechem. That's living in the graveyard. You know that? That's living in the past. And that's where you are right now. And there's hope for you, though. When you live in the graveyard, that box of bones means a lot more than just you can trust God's Word. And incidentally, that's enough. It means a lot more than your faith can come back alive. And incidentally, that's enough. It means something else. When we look at the past, though, and we want to stay in the past, that means we're living in the graveyard. Is that where you are right now? You're thinking about, my goodness, I can't let go of what happened to Zenon. I can't let go of what Simeon and Levi did. I can't let go of what Jacob did. I can't let go of those things. You know where you are in the graveyard? You can't forget the past. You have to say, Pastor, I just can't forgive. Do you know what else happened to Shechem? See, I've often wondered, why are they buried? Joseph is Shechem. you know what else happened to Shechem? you really want to know? I want to encourage you to take the time to read it. Shechem was where Joseph's brothers were supposed to be when Jacob sent them out. Remember when Jacob had, when Joseph had that final dream and he says, hey, everyone's going to bow down to me. And Jacob says, get out to Shechem where your brothers are and get out of my presence. And Joseph turns around and he leaves. And he goes to Shechem. He doesn't find his brothers in Shechem. He finds them in the town next door. But he finds them over there playing around when they should have been working. And of course, they see him coming. They're like, here comes this dreamer. Let's put him in the pit. What did Shechem represent to Joseph? There's nothing there but heartache. Dinah got raped there. Simeon Judah did something unbelievable there. Everything and everything bad happened to Shechem. Joseph goes to Shechem and they catch him and throw him in the pit. Why would he want to put his brothers there? Maybe not. He read it in the book of Joshua. They buried him there. Because the Bible of Romans they buried Joseph and Jacob. Can we stop to think about that? I don't know about you, but that's the last place I'd want to be buried. I 
said, I'd rather be buried at the crossing of the Red Sea. It'd be awesome. Like this. Yeah, right there, right? Be buried somewhere right there. No, no, no. Be buried over the second. See, they took that off the bones out of the graveyard. You read the Genesis 50. They put him in a tomb. They put him in a coffin. They put him in a box of bones. They embalmed him to get him out of the sanctuary. He's in a coffin. He's in a graveyard. And they have to take him up out of that graveyard, put him in Shechem, and rebury him. That box of bones means that God can move you from the graveyard. Have you been living in the graveyard lately? Have you been living in the graveyard of life? You know what the graveyard of life is? That's the bad things in your past that you've been holding on to. You don't think God can forgive. That you don't think anybody can forget. That you don't think you can get over. That's what the graveyard is. But I want you to know the box of bones has a meaning for you. And that meaning is God has a way of taking bodies out of graveyard. Oh, we can spend time over the resurrection, right? We can spend a lot of time in it. That's amazing. That's wonderful. But I want you to see something we don't often look at. I want you to look with me in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. Look with me here and now. The Apostle Paul so elegantly, so wonderfully talks about the work of the law, talks about how it works in our lives, talks about the purpose of the law, not about making Jews and making religious people, talks about how it makes us Christians when we use it correctly. And this is what the Apostle Paul says about it. Look at me in verse 20 of Romans chapter 5. He says, Moreover, the law, God's law, entered that the offense, that sin, might abound, that sin would become known. He said the law came in our lives so that we would know what sin is. The law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, help me out now, grace did much more abound. See, it's about taking us out of the graveyard and into the grace yard. And some of you need to let go of the past and get out of the graveyard and get yourself back in God where you're living in the grace yard. Is that where you are this morning? Then you can too come up out of that graveyard and get yourself into the grace yard. When you realize that where sin has abounded, grace did much more abound. Where the past hurts you, you can find happiness in the future in Jesus Christ. You can find life in Jesus Christ, not just death. You can find forgiveness in Jesus Christ, not just memories and judgment. Get out of the graveyard and get into the grace Get out of where you've been holding yourself. Put yourself in God's will. God's will to leave the graveyard and get into the graveyard. Perhaps you say, Pastor, you've been reading my mail this morning. You've been talking to me. I hope so. Praise God. I've been praying for you. If you were one of those who said, I needed to know God speaks His word. Not on my time, not in my ways. Not on my demand. God does His word, His way, and His timing. Would you be willing to come today and say, God, forgive me for demanding things on my time and really what I should have said was, let your will be done. And I will see the box of bones move. Knowing that you speak to me. Perhaps you say, Pastor, my faith is in you. It's been dead for a long, long, long time. I want you to know God has a way of making dead faith. He has a way of taking us that are dead and making us alive. Are you dead today and you come back alive? The practice they passed up and living in the graveyard. Oh, my relationship with God is okay. I am a true Christian. I know I'm going to heaven, but I am stuck in that graveyard. 
willing to step out today and let God put you into the grace yard. Let me tell you a little bit about the grace yard. What is the grace yard? Are you ready for this? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If Father forgives them, for they know not what they do. If forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, if forgive them. Come back. Let the grace come back. Come on. Let it move you. Come on.